Welcome to The Sage and the Song, an archetypal exploration on life, love, and leadership. I'm Britta Greenviolet, singer, songwriter, creativity mentor, and conscious leadership coach. The stories we tell about our lives shape our lives, and I'm here in service of rewriting the script, crafting a new narrative where it's needed, and liberating your mind, body, heart, and voice to express the fullness of your unique medicine. Hello, beloved. Welcome, welcome back to The Sage and the Song. This is Britta Green Violet, and I am honored to spend this time with you. And today I want to talk about making the leap from excellence to genius. (laughs) So perhaps like me, you are a fan of The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. If you haven't read this book yet, I highly recommend it. And it's a book that I recommend over and over and over again and have read several times. And it's one that I keep returning to because there are some real gems of wisdom in this small, easy-to-read book. And out of all of the gems in it, today I want to talk about what Gay Hendricks calls these four zones. And these zones are helpful for us to evaluate how we spend our time and If we are spending our time in the places where our energy and our focus and our gifts are really best served and best utilized. And I think this is becoming more and more of an important key issue to keep leaning into because there is such time scarcity for so many of us. And this is something that I explored pretty deeply in a recent workshop I did called Make Time Your Ally, which I'll, I'll pop into the show notes if you want to check out the replay. And this idea that we're really at war with time, we demonize time, we constantly feel like we are a victim to time. And while there's a lot we could say about that, I won't go too deep into this episode. And what I'll say is that one of the truths that I've really landed in is that my time is best spent in my zone of genius. When I'm in my zone of genius, working, playing, flowing, creating, I feel as Abraham Hicks might say, in the vortex. I feel in the flow. I feel that I'm being well utilized by the universe. I feel like my gifts are really showing up in a big way, showing up in a way that is meaningful. And on (laughs) the opposite end of the spectrum, we might say that when I'm not in my zone of genius, when I'm in any of those lower zones of functioning, then that's when I tend to feel like I'm wasting time, right? And I use air quotes there, like I am spending my time frivolously, 
or spending my time on projects or tasks or anything that doesn't really feel nourishing, that doesn't feel generating, that doesn't feel purposeful, that feels like a waste of time, right? So let's talk about these four zones. And even if you've explored this before, I personally find it's a really good one to revisit again and again, and especially maybe every few years as we are deepening into our leadership and our mastery, this is really something to keep refining. So the four zones are starting from the top, zone of genius. Underneath that is zone of excellence. Underneath that is the zone of competence. And underneath that is the zone of incompetence. So that's, that's the layers right there in descending order. So let's start at the bottom and work our way up. At the bottom is your zone of incompetence. Now, what lives in the zone of incompetence? <laughs> Anything that you attempt to do where you are incompetent. These are the tasks that are absolutely clearly not worth your time. They are not worth your effort or your energy. And you know it because it drains you immediately. It feels frustrating. It feels absolutely not even close to being aligned to your strengths, your interests, or your passions. And this one is perhaps the easiest one to define because we can really easily say, you know, this task is so not in my, <laughs> it's in my zone of incompetence. And anything in the zone of incompetence is a place to delegate or hire out or even simply delete from your to do list. These are tasks that again, are absolutely not worth your precious, precious time and life energy. Let's take a step above that. So as we elevate ourselves and our productivity and our impact in the world, we come to the next level, which is your zone of competence. The zone of competence is anything where, yeah, I can do it, but I wouldn't say I could do it well, <laughs> right? And you can probably think of some things right away that fit in this category. Things that you can do, but feels a bit like you're muscling your way through it. It feels like, yeah, I can scrape by doing this task, but it's definitely not something I would say is in my wheelhouse. And there's absolutely no question that other people could do it better than me. And again, these are usually pretty easy tasks to hire out to delegate or again, to simply delete off of our task list. And then we take one more step above that and we arrive at our zone of excellence. The zone of excellence is where you're pretty damn good at this, right? At anything in this realm, you're good and you're so good at it that you 
probably get paid for it. You probably have received a lot of praise for it. And, and it doesn't light your soul on fire, right? It doesn't deeply, deeply satisfy you on a soul, heart, spirit level. It doesn't deeply scratch the itch of your, your life's mission, but you're good at it and you probably get paid for it and you probably get praised for it. And so because of these reasons, the zone of excellence is actually the most dangerous zone of them all because a lot of people tend to get stuck here. This is a really easy place for us to get stuck. And one of the mysterious things about life and evolution is that as we expand into our, toward our zone of genius, into our mastery, what often happens is that the people, at least some of the people who have been around us for a long time, they actually become saboteurs unconsciously. They become saboteurs of our growth. And this is not their fault, right? This, is, this isn't a reflection of them being good people or not, right? And perhaps we are also doing this to the people in our lives, which is also, again, why this is so, so helpful. But as we expand, often people are very used to the way that, that it's been and the roles that we've been filling. And absolutely, you've been filling a number of roles for the people in your life. And what happens when one day you suddenly throw in the towel and you say, you know what? I actually don't want to do this anymore. I don't like it. I I want to elevate. I want to expand. What often happens is people resist, right? They want us there because it's convenient, because we're filling that role for them. And this is why it's easy to get stuck in our zone of excellence. And as Gay Hendricks puts it, a lot of people never get past the zone of excellence. This is where they end up putting their life's work, their, li their life's livelihood. This is, this is where the bulk of their career gets spent, is in the zone of excellence. And there is one step further than that. And the step above that is called the zone of genius. Your zone of genius is what absolutely lights you up. It is your most luminous self. It is your most luminous, wildly prolific creativity, connection, creation, leadership, expression, right? It is life force. It is the, the divine raw life force coming, channeling through you as you. So when you are in your zone of genius, not only do you love what you're doing, but it energizes you. It literally fills your cup. 
it lights you up. It lights you up to the extent that it doesn't actually feel like work. And when it comes down to it, you would do it whether you got paid or not. And you do it whether you get paid or not because you love it so much because you wouldn't be you without it. I had a really amazing conversation with a really good friend of mine the other day and this is what she ultimately, ultimately arrived at is, oh, I think, I think the zone of genius is really you. It's you at your most authentic. And I loved, I loved that place that it's you once we clear off all of the cobwebs and all of the illusions and all of the shoulds and all of the obligations and all of the ways that we don't show up as our true selves because we are masking it in order to show up as what we think we need to or what we think we should for other people. <sighs> yes, love. So these are the four zones. Incompetence, competence, zone of excellence, zone of genius. And I'm guessing that right about now, you are really inspired by this idea of zone of genius. And you're probably wondering, what's my zone of genius, right? That's the question. What is your zone of genius? How do you find it? How do you identify it? And this is part of what I do with my clients. This is part of what I truly believe that mentors are for and what coaches are for or to really reflect to us what our zone of genius is, where our true gifts lie, where our mastery lives, and then to activate it, right? To flip the switch on and to rewire the system to remove any old conditioning or stories or old defective wiring, old architecture that's in the way that is preventing us from fully embodying and inhabiting that zone of genius. I would love to share a little bit about this journey of my own zone of genius in case this is helpful for you, because I will say that the first time I read The Big Leap was, oh gosh, probably hmm, maybe seven years ago, eight years ago, 10 years ago. I'm not even sure at this point, but I remember hearing it and feeling it and wondering what's my zone of genius and I have continued to ask this question for myself. And what I have landed on is that at first, my, my first answer was something around letting spirit channel through me. I think that's my zone of genius. I think there's something to it about I'm able to get out of the way and let spirit come through me. And that is still true. I would still say that absolutely that is part of my zone of genius. And then the next piece 
that really has has sharpened as I've looked back on my own journey is that there's a really important through line for me in my life of embodiment. There's been a really big theme of embodiment in my zone of genius. And for a while, I thought that actually was the path, right? I thought embodiment was the gift and was the genius, and it's certainly a part of it. And now, as I zoom out and I come back to the present, where I have landed more firmly is leadership, that leadership is actually and guidance is really at the heart of my zone of genius. And yet when I look back on this journey of embodiment, I actually see how embodiment was the vehicle for my leadership the entire time. When I was 19 years old, I mean, first of all, I was an athlete and played all sorts of sports growing up. I played soccer. I was a modern dancer. I played, I was on the swim team. I played water polo. I even dabbled in rugby (laughs) for a very short period of time. And of course, I always really enjoyed being part of a team. And on in the experiences where I was on the team for a while, I always ended up in a leadership role as a captain or a co-captain. And then when I was in my early 20s, I was part of the Vagina Monologues production in college and first was an actress in it and then came back to direct it twice. And of course, if you know anything about the Vagina Monologues, you know that it is all about embodiment. It's all about feminist power and feminist embodiment and honoring the feminine body and that most sacred of portals, (laughs) the portal of all life, the yoni. So that was such a clear path of embodiment. And then even moving beyond that, I look at stepping into yoga and really deepening in my yoga practice, becoming a yoga teacher, deepening into meditation and breath work and mindfulness and becoming a mindfulness teacher and then finding my way into holistic health and studying integrative nutrition and becoming a health coach. And all of that is so clearly embodiment that again was a vehicle for being a guide and letting, again, letting spirit come through me as a guide in order to help other people on their path. And then further down the road hmm, came the discovery of voice and music and song, which of course is such a big piece of embodiment. And all along the way, I can remember feeling like maybe this is it. Right. And I, I remember feeling that about yoga, like maybe I'm going to be a yoga teacher and this is my path. And it was for a while. Right. And then I discovered, okay, actually, this wasn't the end, the end result. This wasn't the ultimate outcome. This was another stepping stone and a beautiful, important one. And I see 
that I felt the same about voice, right? And music and being a voice coach and a choir director. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is my ultimate calling. And leading ritual and ceremony. Maybe that maybe this is it. Maybe this is my ultimate calling, right? And as I again zoom out and take that mythic archetypal lens and see the big picture of life, what is the true through line and where I've really landed is in this realm of guidance of being being a guide and where I where I really get lit up is being a guide for other leaders. So being a leader myself and then supporting other leaders to come into their mastery and to get out of their own way. So I offer this story because I, it's, it's fascinating to see how along the way there, it was right there all along. And I don't want to talk about it as if it's over <laughs> because God is willing, I've still got plenty of years ahead of me to continue to not only deepen, but expand into my zone of genius and to keep refining it and perhaps even keep seeing it morph and shift and transform right in front of my eyes. And as you consider where your zone of genius is, I invite you to, first of all, look for the patterns. So when you look back on your lifetime, what are the patterns? What are the through lines? What are the themes that show up for you again and again and again, where without even being conscious of it, you kept leaning in and you kept saying yes, and you kept choosing opportunities or relationships that offered you this this entrance into this realm whatever that realm is for you so after you look for the patterns the second thing i want to invite you to look for and to seek out and to call in are the reflections and the reflections come from the people around you. They come from the people who know you, who have seen your journey, and who are able to reflect back to you what they see as your deepest gifts, as your, your shiniest spots, as the places where you have risen, that you've risen up into your truest, most courageous, most authentic version of yourself. And I feel so blessed to have gotten to continually, I should say, get this reflection from my friends, from my mentors, from my partner, from my family and my soul family. And it's something that I actively call in, that I invite forth, because those reflections are extremely helpful for me to keep refining and keep, um, mm, keep being able to make conscious choices at each intersection. 
And I think back to when I was a health coach and how that was so important for me in my evolution. And at the time, there was tension in me, and I couldn't quite figure out why that was. And then there came a day when I simply got real with myself, got honest and clear with myself that I don't want to read more books about nutrition. I don't want to read more books about hormone health. I don't I don't want to do it. It feels like I'm Sisyphus rolling the boulder up the mountain. Like it just doesn't feel like my truest gift. It feels like I'm rolling a ball uphill rather than embracing something that is delicious, right? That feels like the most delicious fruit in my mouth to consume. And I remember saying to somebody right around that choice point, like, I don't, I don't want to read another book on hormones. I would much rather read a book on mantras and start chanting mantras every day. And I remember simply saying that out loud and admitting that to myself and giving myself permission to say, I don't want it. I don't want this. This isn't, this isn't my zone of genius, right? And now I reflect on the places where I am studying, where I'm strategizing, where I get to really dig in to soul evolution and leadership evolution and it lights me up so deeply working with my clients and leading metamorphosis which is my my leadership mastermind it is literally a dream come true everything that's coming through creating the content getting to create this curriculum and I have the teacher archetype. It's so alive in me and it's always been alive in me, right? And of course, you can teach anything. So what are you going to teach that's going to fully bring you into the zone of genius? That was my question. So beloved, what I want to leave you with today is this question, what is your zone of genius? What do you think it might be? And if you haven't journaled on this, I invite you to grab a journal and explore and write some things down. And it's a really great exercise to actually lay out all four levels. So zone of genius, excellence, competence, incompetence, and take some time to brainstorm in each of, this, in each of those spaces. When you start to brainstorm, here's a few tips. Uh, tip number one, I find it easiest to begin in your zone of excellence or competence because those things are probably pretty obvious and then you might find that things start to flow. Tip number two, don't edit yourself. Let yourself make guesses and as my friend Kiana says, throw spaghetti at the wall. <laughs> And follow your gut, right? Follow your intuition, follow your heart, whatever your inner compass is, let it guide you. 
Tip number three is ask somebody close to you who you trust, who knows you and who sees you, right? And that even that feels like an important distinction because some of the people in my life haven't been in my life that long, but they see me and they get me. And I'm so grateful for those people, right? And then some of the people who have known me for a really, really long time, I don't know, maybe, maybe they don't see me as fully for whatever reason. So it's worth saying that longevity doesn't naturally necessarily mean that the people in your life who have been there the longest are going to see you in the most pure, clear essence and be able to communicate that and reflect that back to you. So asking a close friend, teacher, or mentor to help you identify what, what do you think my zone of genius is? Where do you see me shine? Where have you seen over the time that you've known me, where have you seen that I show up in really amazing ways? Where have you seen my strengths come out? And this is leads me into this next portion, which is um, maybe the next tip I would say is that there are also many resources kind of in the zone of personality tests and strength finders. And I personally find that those realms, those modalities can be really helpful in continuing to open your eyes to reveal what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are and help you get to know yourself more deeply. So these systems include the Gallup Strengths Strengths Finder test, which I highly recommend. It's uh, it's a paid test online, but I recently took that and found it really, really helpful for even taking more laser clarity to what my strengths are and what my weaknesses are. Um, Other helpful tools might include the Enneagram, Human Design, Myers-Briggs, DISC, the Gene Keys, or probably a number of others. Now, I want to say something important about all of these, which is that these resources are intended to inspire you. And they're intended to spark further investigation, not to put you in a box or tell you who you are. And I say that because, hmm, because I think there is uh, what could be a misconception, but actually what is probably also true is that it's very easy to get overly identified with these types right, with our uh, astrological signs and with our Enneagram number or with our human design profile. And that's maybe a part of who you are, but it's not your essence, right? So this is always the key is finding that line where 
you are approaching it with curiosity, with levity, with a light heart, with an open mind, and you're not getting attached. You're not overly identifying with, oh, okay, this is what Myers-Briggs says I am, so this is who I am. And finally, my final tip for you, love, would be follow your gut and enjoy the process of discovery. As I said, when we started this journey, the point of all of this is to help you live your most luminous life where you are thriving and feeling nourished simply by how you show up and by being of service, where you feel like your moments and your days and your weeks and your months and your years are well spent time well spent, right? What more could we possibly want than to arrive at the end of our life and feel like that was time well spent? Like I, I'm proud of the way that I conducted my business. I'm proud of the way that I moved through this lifetime, in this body, in this incarnation, in this iteration, I did the best that I could. I followed my heart. I followed my passion. I followed my gut. I showed up fully. I played full out. And I allowed myself, I gave myself permission to live in my zone of genius. Speaking of living your most luminous life, I'd love to take a moment and invite you to join me for a five-day Luminous Life Design Challenge. This is my annual planning workshop, and it's what I think of as fractal planning. So this is where I bring you the most powerful, potent, delightful tips, practices, tips, resources, and tools to weave a life that is truly luminous. And the definition of luminous is to shed light, right? And especially in the dark. And these times can feel pretty dark, am I right? So my love, I would love to offer you this framework as a way to step into your visionary archetype to step into your creator, your life architect, and allow yourself to fully create a life that lights you up from the inside out, and perhaps even acts as an inspiration for those around you. You can find out more by going to brittagreenviolet.com forward slash challenge. the song. Today's song is called Let Go, and it's inspired by something that my dear friend, one of my mentors and teachers of yoga, Eddie Elner, said once in a yoga class, which was this beautiful quote that Ben and I were in this class together practicing, and we both looked at each other after he said this, and I think the exact same thought went through both of our heads, which was, 
oh, that's a song. That's a song wanting to be written. And what he said is, if you're still holding yourself back, let go. Let go for dear life. And we loved that so much because what is the actual phrase that we hear all the time is hold on for dear life, hold on for dear life. And in just this moment of brilliance, he flipped that to let go for dear life. And how appropriate is that? And it feels like just the medicine we need as we look at this invitation to step fully into our zone of genius because stepping into our zone of genius means letting go of the other zones. It requires us, if we are actually going to devote ourselves wholeheartedly to our path of mastery, whatever that looks like for you, it necessitates a letting go of the zones below that, where we are not showing up as our best selves. So my love, if you're still holding yourself back, let go, let go for dear life. This song is also special in my heart because it was written at Esalen Institute by myself and my beloved Ben and my dear sister, Lisa G. Littlebird, and our dear friend, Glenn Phillips. And we were all there together. Lisa Littlebird is an incredible song leader and song carrier. And she invited us to be there in, uh, in an assistant role for her for a community singing workshop. And she challenged everyone in the group to write a song. And of course, the four of us were just on fire with writing our own songs. And Ben and I had just heard this quote from our friend Eddie. And so this is what we showed up with. I, you know, we have this great line that just has to be a song. And so all four of us decided that we would independently go off on our own and come back with a proposal <laughs> for how this song was going to go. And so we did. We each all came back with a different version of, if you're still holding yourself back, let go for dear life. That was the line. And um, I'm happy and proud I'm proud to, to say that it was my version that we ultimately went with, with just that very first line that you hear in the song. If you're still holding yourself, let go, let go, let go for dear life. That was my line. And then, of course, it became this beautiful four-part harmony, polyphonic song. Ben and Lisa and Glenn all added their own parts to each of the if you're still holding yourself part and then the let go for dear life part. So this is a song that is co-written by four friends in one of the most beautiful places on the planet, Esalen Institute. And deep shout out and bow to my song leading friends and to the spirit of collaboration. If you're 
still holding yourself if you're still holding yourself if you're still holding yourself if you're still holding yourself if you're still holding yourself in presence for your precious time and energy. You can find out more about me and my work at brittagreenviolet.com. Until next time, may your mythic adventure through life serve up nourishment, courage, curiosity, and awakening. This is The Sage and The Song, signing off.